Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with JP McNamara on C103. And good morning as the good weather is set to continue for today and tomorrow. Anyhow, here in Cork, I think on Saturday we could be the first part of the country to experience a change and some uh, rain uh, is likely to hit the southwest coast first, spreading right across Cork and Munster on Saturday. But for the moment, we'll enjoy the sunny spells we're going to get and high temperatures for today and tomorrow. Uh, our lines are open. Bernie takes your comments this morning, 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And ahead on this morning, show, we're going to hear how some secondary school students are not being let access to some of the school activities or indeed school lockers. This is because their parents have not paid the voluntary fee to the school. Now, I guess I said voluntary fee. And even though this fee can be paid and you would think can be paid when parents can afford to pay the particular fee, some schools have taken action. Now, a lot of the schools have said to us they do need that particular money to fund various activities in the school, whereby it's to fund the use of the lockers, to make sure they're all working, or indeed to fund school activities or to make sure that all the tablets or computers or electrical equipment is up to date and is working. They need this money brought in. But should students be punished? If parents are in a situation whereby they are struggling, they're paying for books paying for uniforms everything else that comes along with a household and then you have a situation whereby they have a young daughter or son attending school they feel okay it's a voluntary contribution I won't get to it this month I'll pay it next month and then in September though they find out their child is losing out in either a sporting competition maybe or it could be just simply accessing certain things in the school like a school locker so we'll hear and discuss that this morning and maybe you've come across that yourself. We'll discuss that uh, with the National Parents Council post-primary. Also, why Cork County Council want to be the first local authority to name and shame those whose dogs let their who let their dogs do their dirt on the streets. So I'm sure you've all seen this out and about when someone is walking and they have their pet with them and they let their pet do the business on the street or in the park or wherever and they walk away and they don't clean up after themselves. It's a problem in many towns and villages right across the 
county and indeed across many of the city streets as well. Well, now in the county, anyhow, Cork County Council want to be able to name and shame people if they are brought to court and prosecuted for that. They want to be able to name and shame them. So this would deter people uh, from allowing their pets uh, or bringing their pets out and allowing their pets to do this on the street and not cleaning up after their pets. Now, you can't blame a dog if a dog decides to do his business uh, on a park or in a, in a street. It's the owner's responsibility to look after that particular dog. If you get a pet, you are to look after it. So uh, would this work? Can they enforce this? And how would it work? We'll speak with local councillor John Paul O'Shea, who raised this at a local council meeting in North Cork. Also, we're going to hear how the Mallow Relief Road now has a due date of 2024, but the main M20, the Cork to Limerick motorway, is facing opposition as more and more seemingly would rather that route taking via Mitchellstown onto Care, as the, a lot of the campaigners there are saying, well, the road is already done there, the M8 is already built. That would save the taxpayers money rather than building a brand new motorway from Cork to Limerick. Would that work? It's facing opposition again, and we'll discuss that as well on the show this morning. We're also going to hear firsthand on how a person can become homeless and what it is like living in emergency accommodation and to be homeless. And basically, when you're in emergency accommodation, whether that be in a hotel or if you are being moved to maybe your friend's couch, the hotel could be full, you're sleeping on your friend's couch and then you realise that maybe they're away for the night or they're busy, they have their own family problems going on. Uh, Some of the people we've spoken with say they have no choice. If they're lucky enough to own a car, they sleep in the car. We're going to hear from one person who was, who contacted us last week and I met him yesterday and he just spoke about the reality of what he goes through every day with regards to homelessness but also how easy it is to end up in this particular situation. We'll hear from that person after 11 on the show. Also after 11 our Gardafile and we'll have pet advice then with Jane just after 12.30 if there's any pets in your household. Do you have a question for looking for advice? You can call us now with your pet questions to Bernie 1850 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Now we'll hear uh, more from the beef crisis, which uh, things seem to be changing this morning when it comes to those protests at the farm gates. A lot of talk has happened at the National Ploughing Championships over the last number of days. Of course, this is the final day of the National Ploughing Championships. Were you there? Did you enjoy it? The weather really held out for them this year. It seems that they could have the highest figures for a long, long time. Figures could be exceeding over 300,000 people arriving and attending the National Ploughing Championships. This is one of the biggest events, outdoor events, across Europe with one of the highest numbers attending this particular event all over Ireland but indeed has the highest number in Europe for attending an outdoor event so a great achievement by those who organise the National Ploughing Championships of course it's going to come to an end this evening but also not only will we find out who actually won the ploughing uh, later, a lot of people go along to see all the various stands and exhibitors on the day. Of course, ploughing is the main reason it's there. We'll find out who uh, will be announced the national ploughing champion later. Also, we'll find out who is the winner of the brown bread making competition. You might ask, why am I mentioning that? We have two people from Cork in that particular competition from Carrigaline and Goline. So we'll find out later if Cork have taken any of the goals uh, for that particular competition, which has been held over the last number of days, of course, 
in Finna in County Carlow is where it's been held this year and just a number of comments in regarding uh, the beef situation who we will get to in a while but yesterday we were hearing on the show how we had restaurants who were saying they were running low on supplies of beef and they might be coming off their menus how supermarkets were saying that their shelves will be empty of beef soon Irish beef because of supply running low and then we had the various politicians asking the farmers to step away from the factory gates and give this agreement a chance well and uh, texts us towards the end of the programme yesterday and she says JP so much propaganda regarding this firstly there are many many butchers in all the towns across Cork who don't depend on factories for their meat so why are restaurants saying they are running out yesterday our president Michael D Higgins said farmers should be protected in his opening speech but on our TV it only showed him later saying to take a deal so who are the puppeteers that are manipulating all these dummies that are supposed to be running these organisations is asking Anne on text to 086 Well we were at the plumbing yesterday and our reporter caught up with uh, the IFA and we'll hear that in a while on indeed what is the situation what will happen because we know that this morning, earlier this morning and yesterday evening uh, protesters did lift a blockade at Donmeet in Slane uh, with a statement coming from the independent farmers saying it's hoped farmers throughout the country would follow suit I'm not too sure uh, if protests continue this morning in the various factories in Cork, but a statement from the Independent Farmers Group said that the by what's happening in Slane and the step down of the picket, uh, they would hope to see other protesting farmers uh, do the same across the country and see this as a positive move. It added the members uh, now seemingly uh, have some faith in the agricultural minister saying it appears to us that the peaceful pickets have achieved all they can and it is now time to enter the next stage of the process. So I wonder uh, if the farmers here in Cork agree with that, if the independent farmers here in Cork are going to walk away from the factory gates and indeed the picket line will have to wait and see. Uh, but that's the latest this morning anyhow when it comes to the independent farmers of Ireland, what they are saying. Uh, but more on that in a while. Anyhow, your lines are open 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862 C103. Good morning to you on this Thursday morning. 1850 333 103 lines open you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and I mentioned there about how protesters have lifted a blockade at Don Meats in Slane yesterday as the independent farmers are saying they're hoping farmers across the country would follow suit they feel now that they have done the most, as, most, as much as they could, can really to be honest with the peaceful protests is what they say and it's now time to enter the next stage of this particular process well a second beef blockade, it seems, has been lifted uh, this morning, this time at ABP factory in Ferrybank in County Waterford. Not too sure if the same has happened at the plant in Bandon as yet or indeed at other factory locations across Cork. As far as we are, we are aware, they were still uh, protests going on there yesterday, anyhow, at those particular plants. Well, we were at the plumbing yesterday. And a lot of our listeners were asking what the farm organisations have agreed to and disagreed uh, that the farm organisations were acting with the farmers. They felt that they just acted on their own behalf and they still did not act on the individual farmer who wants basically a base price for their beef. That's the big thing that the farmers want. No point giving us bonuses that they can decrease the next week or in two weeks time. They want a particular base 
price for their beef and if not we were led to believe the pickets will continue well we did speak with the IFA President Joe Healy on that who says that progress on last weekend's deal will only be made once the factory gates are cleared here's what, what he said to us yesterday in County Carlow at the National Ploughing Championships The outcome of the negotiations has increased bonuses and it has got other commitments that will improve the farmers lots in the future so we have asked members that are on the picket line to step away from it now, see what the factory does around base price. If they reduce it, they know what's ahead of them. Uh, but I think other farmers that have cattle to sell need to be able to do so as normal. Do you agree with him on that? The farmers now need to step away, which it seems they are doing. Uh, let us know, 1850-333-103. Also, if you can update us, if you are a farmer, if you were picketing, are you going to continue with those pickets across the factories here in Cork? Interesting yesterday, also at the plumbing, it seems, and this is a survey carried out by the Irish Examiner and the ICMSA, that a significant number of Fine Gael voters have switched their allegiances to Fine Foil, according to this new poll. One in ten, that's 11% of farmers who voted for Leo Varadkar's party in the last the general elections say they will change their support to the main opposition party next time round. However, the trend does not go the other way with just 3% of farmers who gave top preference to Fianna Fáil in 2016 indicating they would switch to Fianna Gael if an election was held in the morning. While then, 4 out of 5, that would be about 80% of Fianna Fáil supporters will stand by the party in the next election. Just 66% of those who voted for Fianna Gael last time would give them their first preference again. So uh, interesting to see uh, from the farming point of view and the farming community at the plumbing yesterday how some are changing their voting strategy if there is what we know at this stage there will be a general election called for sometime next year according to Leah Varadkar anyhow when they had their Fine Gael thinking in Gary Vaux in East Cork last week. Lines are open 1850 you can text or WhatsApp 86 or you can email this morning jp at c103.ie tweet us at c103cork On the way we're going to hear though how secondary schools some anyhow secondary schools are not letting students have access to certain activities within the school or indeed just access to a school locker if their parents have not paid the voluntary fee discussing that next Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 103. It seems children are being denied access to lockers or even some school activities because their parents can't afford the so-called voluntary school fees. Paul Ralston, who's Communications Director of the National Parents Council Post-Primary, joins me. Good morning to you, Paul. Morning. Uh, on this, are schools allowed to deny students access to certain activities if this particular voluntary contribution is not paid up by parents? Uh, well, in fact, it's supposed to be a voluntary contribution, and by its nature, uh, they shouldn't. No student should be denied if they can't afford to pay that, or if their parents can't afford to pay it. In actual fact, the department, uh, I think, issued a directive that no child should be denied, and uh, any of these voluntary contributions shouldn't be linked to requirements such as lockers. But we do get a number of, of calls every year at this time of the year, uh, which does state that some children are being denied things like lockers, school diaries, incorrectly, and, and uh, we would be uh, and are outraged about that. It should never be the case that a, a child is isolated or identifiable because their parents can't pay a so-called voluntary contribution. 
And a lot of the time, and I'm sure you will have heard this because we get calls here, there's so much going back to school costs, including uniforms and books that parents are pumping all their money into that, along with the normal households uh, bills that are coming in. And then the grocery shop, which gets a lot heavier during the school term. And the voluntary fee might be pushed down the list and might be paid in October. But because it isn't paid straight away, many are saying that they feel their kids are affected. And then you have the situation whereby if 30% or sorry, that's 13 a class, for example, and 20 pay the fee and 10, pe- 10 students don't have the uh, particular fee paid. It's, it's pointing out those particular 10 children then and that can lead to a lot of situations then within the school. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's important to say uh, that th- th- this is not necessarily a widespread practice, but uh, there, are, there are, we get quite a number of calls. So, and, and any particular instance of this is of serious concern because it does isolate a, a child or a group of children. Um, and, and the other thing that I would say is voluntary contributions is not something the National Parents Council Post Primary accept as being, uh, at least it shouldn't be in place. They came into place to, in, in, in a temporary capacity uh, to support schools. They are about parents working with schools to try and meet a shortfall that comes from the department or from the, from the state. Um, and uh, so from that point of view, they shouldn't be in place in the first place. Uh, we would appeal, though, where they are in place, that schools are uh, cognizant of parents and family needs and uh, and don't uh, penalise the child in the first instance and do facilitate uh, p- phased payment or payment uh, that doesn't hit at the beginning of August when parents are to the pin of their collar with every other cost related to uh, going back to school, whether that's primary, secondary or college for that matter. Uh, August is a... Is a an, a dreadful month for, for parents as they face huge costs attached to education. And maybe phase the particular payment across the year rather than one loan sum at the start of the year or something like that to ease the burden on parents. Absolutely. I mean, National Parents Council have, have uh, two, uh, we, we, two-pronged approach to this. First of all, we don't accept that, that uh, voluntary contributions should become the norm. They were a temporary measure and they need to be removed as quickly as possible in the first instance. The reality of it being the case where parents are requested or in some cases demanded to pay these voluntary contributions, there must be some provision for these and other costs that it suggests for parents uh, to be able to pay those across the year rather than everything landing in August, September, uh, which becomes a hugely stressful time for parents with knock-on effects to families. Obviously, for the school's point of view, the cost of running a school is increasing. I mean, we know schools now are using more computers, tablets and more electronic devices in the schools. So they are noticing that the cost of running particular schools are increasing. And indeed, we will see from here uh, the amount of fundraisers now going on for both secondary and primary schools. So from the school's point of view, they're obviously not getting the funding they need from the department and they need to make up that particular shortfall. But uh, how can they get around that then if they rely on their contribution and fundraisers? Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I, I do emphasize that the, the payment of voluntary contributions where parents can is a demonstration of parents' commitment to their child's education and to supporting the school uh, that the child is in. Uh, but at the Joint uh, Rockless Committee on Education and Skills, uh, that many of us sat on relatively recently and which which uh, raised these particular points. Right across the board, the contributors spoke about the, the shortage of core funding and the need for core funding for education to be brought back to cover the basics of education. 
that's that's from parents and from schools and from many other bodies as well. All stated exactly the same. It was a unanimous voice coming across to the Oireachtas that this must be addressed and core funding uh, for education must not be reliant on voluntary contributions or parental support. Also, principals need to be mindful of this because you will have some families who will realise they don't have the money to pay the fee, uh, but never want to be in debt and never want to be owing of money. Uh, so some, and we have seen this as well over the last number of years, whereby they'll approach money lenders and they'll get themselves into bigger debt. Uh, they need to be aware of that too in the schools, don't they? They do, and uh, obviously, I mean, you're, you're right, parents uh, right across the board will go that extra mile all of the time to ensure uh, that their children can get the best education possible. Um, it is one of the things that we have raised before uh, in relation to uh, parents going to, parents borrowing to meet some of these back-to-school costs. And I mean, at post-primary school, this the cost per student is fourteen hundred euro. Primary, it's eight hundred and fifty. And you go to third level, then it's sort of three and a half to four thousand. You know, your, your your registration fees in college are three thousand. That doesn't take into account uh, any of your accommodation or anything. Those costs all hit parents uh, in August September time. Uh, so they are forced in many cases to borrow money. We encourage them to go obviously to the reputable lenders like the credit unions. But some of the very vulnerable parents and those who are most likely to be penalised by, by are affected by these. In in some instances, can't even uh, gain a loan from their credit union. Now, now, when we raised this and we discussed this in the Joint Oireachtas Committee, it it was pointed out that we are we very much welcome the Joint Oireachtas' suggestion that uh, there is some support given uh, to the credit unions to help parents and, and maybe in some way underwrite uh, or support some of the loans or some of the parents who have difficulty in getting loans from the credit union. So we would encourage credit unions to, to look at that uh, so that parents who may be not normally in a position to gain a loan uh, can be considered. Yeah, and many of those parents, some have approached the likes of SVP and contacted Bernardo's as well, but not everybody will be brave enough to do that and feel they don't want to contact those particular charities. And you're right, some will have students who were in third level. And then if you're funding accommodation and third level costs, and then you have someone in secondary school, it can be too much, uh, regardless of what your position is in life. Uh, I have a text here from Joanne down. This could be something that maybe parents could do. Joanne says she was late paying the contribution this year, but she sat down with the principal and she said her principal in that particular school was very understanding so maybe using a different approach by principals like the principal where her child goes to school uh, and sit down with them and explain the situation absolutely we would very much encourage that um, as i say uh, national parents council do not want to see voluntary contributions continue on an ongoing basis but where they are and where that is needed by the school to support the basic education requirements. Conversations are absolutely the way to go forward with somebody who has some difficulty in that. And we would always encourage schools and parents to work together and, and chat about these things. Um, what, what, what we don't want to see happen is, is these voluntary contributions being linked to things like lockers or uh, study diaries, which are basic requirements for a child in school nowadays. And should be funded by the education department for the school, really, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, would you say the education department are failing? 
many schools in this country by not funding items like activities like those diaries you mentioned like lockers uh, yes I mean when you look at, at uh, as I say the, the unanimous uh, voice on, on the shortage of core funding in schools that was uh, spoken of at the Joint Directors Committee uh, it does absolutely do that I mean the cost of school books for instance is, is, is a very significant and school books are a core requirement for any child's education so for sure, uh, you know, those core costs are not being met and they should be met. Uh, the state in 1967, uh, Donna O'Malley introduced free secondary education for every child in the state. We're a long, long way short of that many decades after that was committed to. Uh, and that, that, uh, that sensible, uh, um, suggestion and, uh, uh, determination needs to be delivered on at this stage. Okay, well, for the moment, it seems those contributions are here to stay for a good while and we'll, we'll see if schools will take responsibility and how they handle parents who may be delayed paying those for the moment. Thanks for joining us, Paul. That is Paul Rustin there, who is from the National Parents Council Post-Primary Communications Director with them. I mean, as this, we heard there from a number of parents, including Joanne, who did sit down with the principal and got her resolution when it comes to paying the fee. But is every principal going to be like that? Liz says, our rinse has increased again this year plus I find grocery shopping and, and the cost of grocery shopping has increased I find it hard to pay my way now myself not to mind keeping up with school fees which they seem to look for every few months I pay the initial particular fee uh, but then a few months later you'll be asked for a fee for a particular school trip or a school game or something so it's very hard to keep on top of all these particular fees says Liz on text to 0862103103. Now, I know there's a lot of coffee mornings going ahead this morning right across Cork City and County for Marymount Hospice. I will give those a mention on the show. But on the way next, we're going to hear why Cork County Council wants to be the first local authority to name and shame those whose dogs they let do their dirt on the street. Discussing that next. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. We have discussed dog fouling so many times on the show and so many people say to us, why not name and shame those who own the dog that is fouling? Well, local councillor John Paul O'Shea wants that and joins me. Good morning to you, John Paul. Good morning, JP, and good morning, listeners. First of all, Cork County Council want to be the first local authority to name and shame pet owners who are prosecuted for not clearing up their dog mess. But on the prosecution, am I right in saying, firstly, to be prosecuted, the dog and the person that owns the dog, you basically has to be caught in the act. That's right, uh, JP. There's two processes in this, really, I suppose. The first process is in relation to uh, issuing a fine. And in Cork County last year in 2018, we issued over 450 fines um, for that. And I suppose out of that, 101 went for prosecutions. That means that fine wasn't paid and um, they were taken to court. So it's those 101 that we're talking about in the Northern Division of Cork County County Council last week, where we uh, asked the directors to write to the department and request approval. Uh, to publish and name and shame those people who've been to the courts um, who are a matter of public record and who have been prosecuted um, in accordance with the law. 
And when they are prosecuted then in court, how will data protection work on this? We know that GDPR has changed the way these type of things work. Uh, Will you be able to name and change them once they are prosecuted? Well, uh, that's our understanding at the moment, John Paul, because um, when you are brought up in court um, for a breach of the law, uh, which the 201 people were, um, you are... um, um, it's in public record, you know, so uh, there is no restriction according to um, uh, the councillors and according to the directors. Uh, this week, when we discussed it last Monday, um, and we don't feel like there's any issue, but we're clarifying that with the department and with the Data Protection Agency as well, uh, just to be sure. And if there is no issue, then how would you name and shame them? I mean, I know when you say people breach the law, usually there will be a court reporter there from the local newspaper or local radio, and you would hear the particular report in paper or radio. But if that is not the case, uh, how will you go about this? I mean, are you thinking of going down the route like the Food Authority of Ireland, the Food Safety Authority of Ireland, whereby they issue a press release and they name those who are in breach of the food law? Is there something like that? Yes, Jean-Paul, that was a matter of discussion uh, last Monday at our meeting as well in relation to how that would be publicised. And I suppose uh, reference was made to the um, Food Safety Authority of Ireland and also to the immense fisheries who do issue press releases um, uh, once a conviction or a persecution has been secured. And, uh, and the overwhelming response from the councillors at the time was that we should go down that route. And when a person is basically, when the dog is caught in the act and, and the person is then prosecuted, is it a, a dog warden will actually see them uh, or, or how does that work? I mean, can CCTV images be used? Can photos be used? Yes, indeed, John Paul. We have a number of dog wardens right across the county who are doing a very proactive job. And in fairness to the Environment Directors of Cork County Council, they're trying very innovative ways in trying to educate um, the public in relation to uh, dog fouling. We have a social media campaign going on at the moment, uh, encouraging people, I suppose, of their obligations to clear up after their dog. Um, so we're trying a number of different ways. Um, but unfortunately, the issue of dog fouling still um, uh, occurs in this county and it's still a huge problem in Cork County. Yeah, and there are signs everywhere. Every town you go to has a sign up saying, you know, if you leave your dog foul, you'll be fined €150. Euro. And I now have a load of calls coming in from people in various towns in Cork who are saying there are certain streets in their towns whereby it's destroyed of dog fouling. People are always letting their dogs out and about and some unaccompanied and the dog will do their dirt and go back to the owner. And sometimes the, the dogs can be on their own. So in, in that situation, it's going to be hard to prosecute the owner if you, if you don't have the owner next to them, unless, of course, you're going to go down the route of uh, if the dog is microchipped going down that particular route. Is that something you've looked at? Absolutely, John Paul. And the initial, um, I suppose, phase of my motion on Monday was to, I suppose, encourage the council to start stenciling um, the, um, I suppose, dog and dog fouling signs on our footpaths and on our walkways, because, you know, we have directors and many signs and poles uh, through our town parks and through our walkways encouraging people to clean up after their dog, and this is just another incentive to do it. And we, it's all about education, JP, and it's mm. all about uh, just to remind people of their obligations. Unfortunately, 101 people um, didn't uh, abide by their obligations last year in 2018, and the realities are they have been prosecuted in court as a result. And I think it's a huge deterrent uh, to um, name and shame 
uh, these people who have been prosecuted on our website or through a press release to local media and encouraging people into the future that if you do get prosecuted, um, this is going to be the result. And what do you say then to those who are about naming and shaming and releasing people's names into the public if they have done this particular situation with a dog? John in North Cork says uh, that John Paul O'Shea, the councillor, won't make any friends with his name and shame plans. And that are a few texts say it's wrong. I mean, what do you say to people who feel this is the wrong way to go because you've tried the education route, that hasn't worked. So this is the next thing to deter people from doing what they're doing. Yeah, and I suppose some people will disagree with it, and that's the matter of life. It's a a fact of life. Uh, I'm not here to please everybody, John Paul, but I'm certainly here to to help out the many people that call to my constituency office in Kentucky Travel and are literally plagued by the fact that they go walking every evening and they come across dog falling on our streets. So it's a huge issue. It's not just a John Paul O'Shea issue. And um, 55 councillors in County, County, Cork County Council have supported this. OK, well, we'll wait and see what happens with that. Is there a timeline? I mean, how soon could, could this happen whereby you can go and when someone is prosecuted, they will be basically named and shamed? Yes, we're, we're waiting for clarity from the Department of Communications and Environment, uh, John Paul, and from the Data Protection Agency. And once we get clarity from that, which, which is a couple of weeks' time, we should be able to make a decision on it. OK, well, we'll look forward to hearing what actually the decision is made and, and where you go from here with that particular plan. Uh, while you're speaking to us this morning, I'm sure you'll be aware there's reports in the Irish Examiner that the Mallow Relief Road is due to be completed around the same time or if not even slightly before the M20, the Cork to Limerick Road. It seems that the project could get underway by 2040. Uh, is that something you're happy with? Would you like the timeline to be sooner for the Mallow Relief Road? Um, yes, John Paul, you mentioned 2040, it's 2024. 2020, sorry, 2024, 2040 <laughs> is, the, is the Fine Gael uh, government plan, yeah, 2024, sorry, yeah. That's right, that's the plan that, uh, that uh, it's included in. Um, but the reality, I suppose, John Paul, is consultants have been appointed uh, to bring forward the design of the Northern Relief Road in Mallow, and it's important, I suppose, that those consultants have no delay in ensuring that we... We select the route and we go forward to Umbopranola. Um So the indicative time frame is that we'll be starting in tw- the end of 2023, uh, start of 2024. Um, but as all councillors would support, we'd support an earlier start date if at all possible. But that's probably more a realistic start date, is it? Oh, absolutely. And our Director of Roads, Padre Barrett, have outlined um, the processes that have to go through to bring it to that stage, to bring it to construction. Um, but hopefully... We won't uh, see any delays on, on the on the path and we'll get going as quickly as we can. And I mentioned there regarding the M20 Cork to Limerick Road, it seems that there is a lot more now objecting to this particular route of going from Cork to Limerick via Mallow, Butterfield and Charnival and people who feel that it should go the Mitchellstown route onto care because some of that motorway is already built. And what's your view on that? Do you disagree with those who are objecting? Do you think we should still leave the current route from Cork to Limerick for the M20 motorway? Because that's been spoken about for so long now. Uh, what is the current situation? I mean, are, are they looking at rerouting it if they if they can't get the funding to go the particular route they're looking at at the moment via uh, and bypassing Mallow, Butterfield and Charnival? Well, there's certainly nobody complaining from the North Cork side of things, uh, John Paul. This motorway is very badly needed and we need to ensure that it does proceed. Um, there's an indicative time frame on the motorway as well for 2027. But we must ensure that the consultants who have been appointed through Limerick City and County Council uh, will now make a determination, uh, hopefully before the, end of the before the end of this year, 
uh, to select the route and go forward to on board Panola uh, for planning permission uh, for the motorway. But it is critically important for North Cork, for West Limerick, for Kerry and for County Clare even and that the motorway goes in its original route uh, which is from Limerick to Cork through Charleville um, Bushment and indeed Mallow. And when you say completion date of 2027, I mean, how soon would the works get underway? So if we have 2024 for the Relief Road, would you be expecting a similar uh, timeline for, for it to start? Yeah, it's a two to three year construction period. Um, John Paul, so we're very hopeful that it really gets going, um, subject to planning permission and subject to approval from the government. Um, and the funding is there this time, is it? Well, the Taoiseach has committed uh, to bringing forward the motorway. He has just appointed consultants, which will cost €60 million Euros, uh, by the time this complete, to bring it forward to Blow Fanala and to get planning uh, and permission underway. And so this motorway will happen, and I'm going to do my very best as the local representative to make sure it does happen as quickly as possible. And mentioning strong opposition there, I know you said there, there's none in North Corp, but there was a group in the Mallow area, and they still were active at the start of this year, who were against this and were pushing it to go the other route. And I haven't heard from them, and I'm, I'm sure other councillors haven't heard from, from them, um, but I'm quite willing to meet, meet with them and discuss the, their concerns and certainly bring those issues forward. But certainly, John Paul, you know from other stories around Cork where the Don Kittle has been delayed mm-hmm. and the N28 has been delayed. Uh, so we must make sure that I suppose, we all work collectively to make sure the M20 proceeds uh, as quickly as possible. Because you don't want and a situation is, whereby you, you were saying now, and it's in the papers this morning, of 2024 and 2027 for completion for the Limerick uh, motorway, that let's say in two years' time we're hearing no funding has been pulled and we can't go ahead with that. That's something you don't want, I presume. Because it could happen. Not, nobody, and nobody wants that. Uh, what we do is we want it to proceed as it currently is, let the consultants work and do their job in relation to bring it to forward planning permission and getting approval from Board of and to proceed with the design and the tender for the motorway. But we must be very, um, I suppose, collective and joined up in Norcock to ensure that we're all fighting the same cause. OK, we'll all wait and see what happens for the moment. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. That is Councillor John Paul O'Shea on the motorways, on the relief road, and also naming and shaming those who let their dogs fall on the streets. I have a number of texts in from people who are letting us know of areas around Cork where dog falling is the worst area. Where have you found that? Wherever you walk, it's worse than other areas of Cork. Let us know. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And also uh, people who have suggestions on how to deal with the school if they are putting your child in that situation with regards to the voluntary payment. We'll get to those as well after 11. Keep your calls coming to Bernie 1850 C103. Good morning to you. 1850 Our lines are open. Bernie takes your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 86 You can email jp at c103.ie or tweet us this morning at c103cork. And a lot of coffee mornings are going ahead at the moment for Marymount Hospice. A number of them are taking place. And let's just mention 
the few that have been in contact with us. First of all, the management and staff at Verwood LED, which are hosting a coffee morning in Zest Cafe in Eastgate in Little Island. That's on at the moment until 12 noon. And there's a coffee morning running at the Castle Hotel in Blarney until 12 noon today. While Anne McCarthy of the Old Head, she's hosting a coffee day. And that is running from now until 8 o'clock this evening. So best of luck with that there if you're in the Old Head. And Liam and Margaret Daly in Shannon Vale near Clonakilty, they're holding their coffee day that's running until five o'clock this evening. And Dunamore Marymount Fundraising Group, they will hold their coffee night and that's going ahead this evening from seven to nine in the Stewart Community Centre. The raffle there as well starts at 8.30 and there's two laptops going to be auctioned on the night as well. And they're having their um, Marymount Hospice coffee morning as well in Drumahan this morning. And well done and thank you to the Drumahan ICA ladies who have dropped a number of items food items that is goodies sandwiches cakes and all of that uh, to the studios in Mallow this morning so uh, thank you to the Drummahan ICA ladies dropping those uh, nice homemade baking you can't beat the homemade baking I saw buns there and uh, chocolate cakes and sandwiches uh, in reception a while ago so uh, thank you for that to the gang in Drummahan. and tomorrow speaking of food uh, this show we're taking everything out we're bringing it to McCroom because the Cork Today show will broadcast live from the Castle Hotel McCroom tomorrow for the McCroom Food Festival we'll be there from 10am until 1 at the Castle Hotel and we'll be discussing the various issues affecting the Lee Valley area and McCroom also a lot of talk this week about asylum seekers and we're going to hear from one of those asylum seekers who has been settling into the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom what life is like for them and with the, the much publicity around asylum asylum seekers at the moment. How are they settling in uh, to the area? We know they're involved in voluntary groups and indeed now sporting organisations. So is there much hype about nothing? Well, we'll hear that tomorrow uh, from one of those particular asylum seekers. Also, we'll be tasting the local food produce and drink produce in the Lee Valley and McCroom area and we'll also be hearing about new businesses and why they have chosen to set up in the McCroom region. Plus we'll have live music as well because there is a busking competition as part of the McCroom Food Festival this year so we will hear some music uh, from buskers who will be taking part in the festival this year. That and more we are live in McCroom tomorrow with the show from 10am from the Castle Hotel in McCroom if you are in the area do feel free to pop in and join us for the show tomorrow live from McCroom. Now a lot of calls and comments into us across the various issues we've been discussing this morning. First of all, something we've been discussing for the last few months, this is school buses and access to school buses in various parts of the county and still seems to be a bit of an issue in the North Cork area in the Fermoy area and this is from a concerned parent who doesn't want her name read out, which is fine, but uh, has contacted us earlier this morning regarding their issue and it's a parent of children going to school in Fermoy have been informed by bus errand by email that from Monday next buses will have designated places and all students will have to go to these spots so now we have a situation that some of the Cloucester students have to walk to St. Coleman's to get their bus home and then Coleman's and Loretto students have to go to Cloucester to get their bus home taking into account that all these students have to cross over a busy junction at the Cork Road this is an accident waiting to happen this 
just does not make any sense as the old system was working perfectly but we have been told it's a health and safety issue they must have blinkers on this new system they are introducing will be a health and safety issue overall so I don't know what they are on about regarding the old system being a health and safety issue when all the students must cross uh, the Cork Road which is a very busy road in that particular area especially at school time uh, that coming in from a concerned parent we are contacting Bus Aaron on that and why they have changed uh, the particular strategy that they've been using for years there but now why they are parking buses in certain areas uh, near the schools and regardless what school you go to you must go to that area if you wish to get home and we'll look into that from uh, Bus Aaron uh, Bernie is getting onto them there this morning so we'll see what response uh, they come back with on that situation for those going to those secondary schools in Formoy on the issue of dog falling Pash who's in Formoy says you have to catch them in the act in the first place which we mentioned so when a dog gets chipped uh, Pat says he should also have his DNA taken so when a sample of poo was found on the street it could be checked for DNA and it could be traced back to the dog and the owner it's been done in England for many years and it has been spoken about here as well and I know they are looking into that because we mentioned that and spoke uh, to one particular deputy who wants that to happen here in this country so we'll wait and see if that is something that, that they what they can do in the UK they can do it but can they get this up and running here in Ireland and on where people let their dogs foul a uh, number of texts in various areas here's just a few of them people are always letting their dogs foul in the lane down near Tesco in Mallow while another texter says Maxweeney Key in Bandon can be destroyed some nights from people letting their dogs foul on that particular key and another texter saying someone would want to watch the famine graveyard in Fermoy. So many people are taking their dogs in there. It's a disgrace. The council should put up gates there. The graveyard is in Beachfield in Fermoy. And we hear that about people who do bring in their dogs into graveyards and let them fall in a particular graveyard. There's one there being earmarked in Fermoy. And Colm in Bottevin says the council should be more proactive in bringing people to court for dog falling. And when it comes to the courts, the reporters are free to... To print the name so naming and shaming is already an option says Colm in Buttervent it is but what Councillor John Paul Shea was raising there was they counselled themselves want to be able to send a list of those people who have been prosecuted who have gone to court they want to send those out to the particular media organisations and have them on their own Cork County Council website as well so outside of reporters because you could have a situation whereby there might be no reporter in a particular court for a particular day or might not be going to that particular uh, part of the court so in, in case there was no reporter there the council want to take this matter into their own hands and basically be able to send out a release saying that X, Y and Z have been prosecuted today in Mallow Court for on the issue of dog fouling and that they can display that on their website as well and to do that they have to go through the various data uh, regulations so it would be outside of the court reporters who do go along uh, to the court but you're right naming and shaming is already an option but they want to step it up basically uh, another bit or, or a bit further thank you for your call to Bernie and 1850 and on the issue of dog fouling Thomas in North Cork says does Councillor John Paul O'Shea think dog fouling is more important than the homeless and John also says is this the best the councillor can come up with when we have waiting lists in hospitals children going hungry uh, to school and we have lack of guardie in certain areas violence drugs and homelessness well on the issue of homelessness we're going to hear firsthand what it's going, what it is like and what it can be like to end up homeless how easy it can happen and what it's like to be going 
from B&Bs to hotels uh, to couch surfing uh, because you were in emergency accommodation. Uh, we'll speak to a particular man. We won't, we're not going to mention who he is or where he is in Cork, but he, we did, uh, he did contact us and we did meet him yesterday afternoon and he spoke openly about what it is like living in emergency accommodation and indeed how easy it can be uh, to become homeless. We'll hear from him uh, in a few minutes on the show. Uh, And also staying with Naming and Shaming and Frank is saying the councillor wants to talk when they're on about naming and shaming. Why don't they name and shame their own architects and planners? The likes of the ones who let buildings be built on a floodplain in Bandon and caused untold damage to the town for a number of years and also in other towns like Fermoy. Why don't we start naming and shaming those particular people people who decided that building on a floodplain was good? Name and shame those planners if the council are so hell-bent on naming and shaming others, says Frank on 1850 and the ploughing, of course, last day of the ploughing today in County Carlow, in Finna, in County Carlow. A lot of people enjoying the ploughing when they go to it. And we did say earlier that it's one of the biggest record attendances this year, but one of the biggest attendances for an outdoor event in Europe. Anyhow, on that, Anne says, loved it. I was at the ploughing yesterday. A great day out, load of stands. And we came home with bags full of free stuff from all the various exhibits, says Anne. Uh, thank you for your text. While another text here, no name on this, but says... I attended the ploughing on Tuesday, a roasting hot day, really nice day in Carlow Bush. I was very upset to see how clearly distressed the sheep were. They were all inside in a long tent with only a small opening on either end. And I felt there was no air at all getting into the sheep, says that particular texter. While Jerry in Mallow was at the ploughing yesterday and he said the weather was great for the ploughing. The ploughing was fabulous, but the politicians spoiled it all with their speeches and their lies, says Jerry in Mallow. He also says he went into the Chagos tent and he felt the questions he was asking, they were not answering. He feels it's about time we contract out these services as civil servants. Jerry feels don't care. Uh, Jerry's view on the ploughing there to Bernie and 1850-333-103 on school fees and people we've heard some comments earlier on the school fees this is regarding some secondary schools who are not letting students access certain school activities or school lockers if their parents have not paid up the voluntary fee. What on this on WhatsApp, uh, a mother texting in saying, well, my boys go to Claude Crease Re and they take the payments in instalments and they are very understanding regarding that particular issue of the voluntary fee. While Dennis says those parents would want to get together through the class or school WhatsApp group and as a group then refuse to pay if there is an issue like that ongoing. Uh, thank you, Dennis, for your WhatsApp to 0862103103. And on the issue of farming and indeed the beef protest test which some are now be the blockades and the pickets are being lifted and some of the plants uh, don't meet in Slane the first one it seems now we were led to believe that Ferrybank uh, had lifted the, the, the protest that is at APB in, in Ferrybank in Waterford was lifted this morning but I've got WhatsApp sent to say no it's not so mixed reports some saying uh, the pickets have been lifted there and some are saying they have not and in Cork um, there seems to be a mixed response as well in Cork on whether the pickets are going to go ahead and be left where they are or if they're going to withdraw the protest today or not it seems at the moment the pickets are continuing in uh, Cork but 
again, not too sure if they will continue for the whole day as now the individual farmers themselves want, uh, they say, the group that is, to go on and achieve the next stage in this process. And to do that, they have asked all the peaceful pickets uh, to basically clear now from the factory gates to go ahead to the next process of this. Well, regarding that, a uh, person here on WhatsApp, um, didn't give a name, but just wants to give uh, a, 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 an insight into young farming and what it's like for a farmer who is looking at this and realising, you know, where's the future in all of this? So regarding the individual farmer protest, this farmer says, I am a 22-year-old farmer with no future in farming due to the prices we are getting. It's about time shops and restaurants realise it's not just farmers that are going to be affected, it's everyone. It's about time these people come to the picket lines and support us, all stand together. All is getting into the headlines is restaurants and shops losing out on meat and factories letting off staff. What about the farmers not getting paid for what we produce? What should we why should we be the ones suffering for the shops and restaurants to benefit off us? Is it acceptable for the farmers to produce the produce and let the retailers and factories make the most money out of it? It's a pure and utter joke. The agreement that was made last week was no agreement. Base price we need. It's fine for them to up the price and then go along and drop the base price wouldn't give uh, this offer to a two-year-old. They must think we are thick stupid, says that particular farmer on WhatsApp. Summing up basically, I think, what the majority of farmers that we're hearing from are thinking as well. We thank you for your WhatsApp to 86 2103 And on the farmers, Mick and Bantier says, John Paul, who are those farmers cutting? They are all being paid a huge single farm payment every year, which was brought in to compensate for low price of milk and beef. Why hasn't this been mentioned when they are being in interviews. I'd love to hear their answer says Mick from Bantir. While another texter here is saying the smell around the factory in Arnagihi in Charnival is scandalous. They are burning rubbish and God knows what else. We're in a barrel on the road outside the factory with the pickets. So I mean this I presume this person is, is on about the pickets that are going on and I know some of the pickets have a barrel where they're lighting fires to keep themselves warm for the overnight pickets. Uh, this person feels it's scandalous that they should basically not be outside with a barrel of rubbish burning and they said uh, that they have no respect for the residents in that area of Charnival. Well, that's coming in from a resident in that particular area near the factory in Charnival, who seemingly just isn't happy at the particular protests in the factory there. Uh, 1850, 333, 103, lines are open. And uh, last night, we mentioned this yesterday on the show, it was 30 years of Fair City. And regardless of what people's views are on soaps, or indeed Irish soaps, it is at this stage an institution, and it's good to have, I suppose, our own Irish soap here, regardless of us watching imports from other countries but Anthony uh, watched it last night and he says Fair City was just brilliant I'm sure many of your listeners would agree for last night's 30 years with Ciarán coming back and all the celebrations it was amazing said Anthony while Julie said it was great uh, to honour those actors who have passed on uh, from Fair City last night and those latest actors who unfortunately have died in the last few months and it was great to recognise Charlie and Mags in the episode as well uh, who were no longer with us Julie really enjoying a fair City last night for 30 years of Fair City, an institution I suppose you could see at this stage in Ireland regardless of what you think of soaps or indeed uh, Fair City. 1850-333-103, lines open, text or WhatsApp 86 On the way we're going to hear uh, what it's like to be uh, first-hand homeless and living in emergency accommodation. C103 Jobs. 
On today's job spot, we have opportunities for a bar person required for but event to cover three night shifts may suit someone living locally. Contact 087 255055. Construction workers with on-site experience are wanted for the Banlin area. This is for taking down plaster and other odd jobs. Send your CV to Tim at HamiltonFrench.com. And accountant or account technician is required for a two to three month contract based in the Bishopstown area. Contact 021 603 1000. These jobs and more, they're online now at c103.ie forward slash job. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. There's a lot of talk about homelessness in the news this week. And last week we were contacted by a man who was telling his own story of how easy it is to become homeless and indeed what it is like living in emergency accommodation. I met with him yesterday. We're not revealing his name or where he is in Cork, but I did meet with him yesterday and he outlines his story. I first asked him, did he ever have his own house? I did. Um, I was renting a house uh, for nearly 10 years. Never an incident, never a problem uh, with the landlord or otherwise. And unfortunately, um, he couldn't keep up the payments, so he had to sell the house and he gave me notice and I had to leave. And had you ever yourself had your own mortgage or, or oh, actually no, owned your no, own home? No. No. And you've been renting so for more or less a number of years. Yeah. Um, have you family? Have you have you family locally in the area? No. Obviously, with rent, things change, as we know, where you describe that particular situation. Other situations then are what we're hearing is landlords um, have problem accepting the HAP scheme. But before I go into that, just tell us your situation trying to find a rented house outside of the council situation first, just a private rented house. Is that hard at the moment? It's like looking for hen's teeth. The allowance that you're given uh, for um, a house in the HAP scheme uh, is not substantial enough. Now, for a single person sharing, it's five fifty. Uh, the max it will go up to six sixty. You know. So oh, sorry, uh, it's three forty. So when you describe those prices and the way prices are, it, it doesn't cover a lot the way prices are increasing in Cork. But the, the one thing as well is that a lot of landlords would prefer to have people who maybe are not on the HAP scheme because the HAP scheme, there's a delay in paying the payment. So while a landlord, and, and rightly so, they're, they're paying a mortgage, they own the house, they want the payment up front. But there can be a delay in getting the money from the, the HAP scheme to the landlord and that could be a month or two months. And you can see why and understand why landlords don't want that. So that's putting you in a position then where you can't avail of a lot of the houses. Yeah. Um, in fact, that, that happened in my case. Uh, the landlord wasn't happy. The fact that the HAP payments were delayed. So... Um, I had to move on. When we describe homeless people and we talk about homeless people on our streets of Cork and indeed across the county of Cork, people have an image in their heads of someone who's lying on a street on a blanket, uh, lying, sleeping rough outside a door, a, a, a library, in a bus station. And we see the image of somebody down and out. But this isn't the case for you. You're well dressed here with me today. You're positive about the situation. How does someone, and it happens so fast to a lot of people we've spoken to in the past, but how do you end up in this situation whereby you are technically homeless? Well, when you can't find accommodation, um, you go to the council 
they declare you homeless. Then they will tell you, look for somewhere, you know. Um, it can be a hotel, it could be a bed and breakfast. It's emergency accommodation, basically. And you have to find that yourself. They will give you uh, a list of places that you can try, but there's no guarantee that you'll get a bed. And the thing is then, um, sometimes, in my case, uh, I've been bound from pillar to post because hotels are full, they're expecting tours, or they have parties and they're staying overnight and all this, so you have to move on again. But is it that you first pay the hotel and B&B and then you get reimbursed from the, the welfare office of the council? Yeah, that's correct. And you've had no luck so far, obviously, with council housing or obtaining a council house. You're still on no. the, the so-called waiting, waiting list for that. And are you checking the, the particular website, the CPL website, to see what comes up every single day on, on the letting website? Is that something you can access and are accessing? Um, it doesn't come up every day. It comes up once a week, usually on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning and you have a password and username and you um, you go into the site the CBL site you check the list and you bid on that house but there are two stipulations on that uh, one uh, you have to accept the house that you put a bid on number two um, if you refuse um, basically you're taken off the list so-called list uh, for 12 months so you can't bid on any other property on the CBL. So that's the penalties of it. And yourself, how long have you been waiting? Well, uh, I put in an application in 2003 and I had a heart attack in 2010. And I approached the council after coming out of hospital to be told that there was no evidence of my application, that I would have to reapply again. And when I asked them uh, if I filled out the form, would they reinstate me they said no you have to start from scratch again have you any preference of where you want to live city or county preferably the county because um city life um is not nice and your work side of things then i mean have you worked in the past or and do you work now what's your work life like i'm actually medically retired uh in 2010 i was medically retired uh, because I'm a cardiac patient, and in 2015, I became a cancer patient, uh, cancer of the bladder, and had an operation, and I've got the all clear. But I also suffer from depression and um, IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. I suffer from that as well. And before all the, your health issues arose, what, what, what were you working at? I was a, a HGV driver, and I was also a coach driver. So obviously from the, uh, the the side of the heart condition and others, yeah. that, that that was no longer something you could continue to do. Well, I used to smoke 40 cigarettes a day. Oh, OK. And so. uh, that didn't help, obviously. <laughs> obviously but not. the day I got the heart attack, I gave him up. And then with your current situation, you mentioned depression there. Is that something you really have to work on and keep on top of? Because what you were facing at the moment is you are relying on a hotel and the space in a hotel for a roof over your head. Is that what life is facing at the moment? And I presume friends of yours then who are willing to put you up in their house when you can't find accommodation. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, it's very, very hard when you are suffering from depression. You see, there's only so much you can do. 
so many places you can go. You're limited uh, uh, as regards finance. So the thing is like, you just have to watch every penny you have. You can't overspend. So the thing is like, basically, you stay in your room. That's it. Because you're on a social welfare payment yeah. uh, every, every, every week, I presume, is it? 208 euros a week. Looking at the moment for yourself, if your friends and the hotel don't have the resources, so the hotel is booked out and your friends are saying, oh, actually, we're away for the week or oh, we don't have room for you tonight. Sorry, somebody else is staying over. We, we weren't aware. Where do you go then when there's no housing for you from the, from the council side of things? You can't find private accommodation. Uh, the hotels you were staying in or B&Bs are full and your friends simply are either not at home or they are, are busy. Where do you go? Well, luckily, uh, I have a car. And I, I have slept in the car already, you know. Uh, the thing is, when you can't find the accommodation, um, well, you have to make do with what you have. And how recent have you slept in your car? About 11 weeks ago, I slept in my car. And where would your car be parked? Well, somewhere safe, obviously, mm. because uh, with the fact I have to take seven tablets a day and I have to carry with me uh, enough medication for a month. So the thing is, I have to be very careful where I park the car because of that alone. I can't go into a hostel for fear that the medication would be stolen, which would be possible. Mm. And I've heard of cases where it has happened. So I'm not going to take the chance of having medication stolen from me. So I just have to be careful. Like, for instance, I've parked outside the Garda station because I've had no other choice. So the thing is, you just have to be extra vigilant and extra careful where you would park the car for fear someone would break into the car and assault you and take your medication, in my case anyway, you know. You're always kind of looking over your back though, aren't you? You are. You have no other choice. In my situation, you have no other choice because you're carrying the medication with you all the time and the thing is, you don't know, night or day, morning, you could be assaulted and it could be taken off you. From the payments you're getting from social welfare, you're able to feed yourself and do all that. The one thing that's standing out here, basically, is you physically can't get a roof over your head. Exactly that. And I blame the councils and I also blame the government and the TDs. It's about time they got their finger out and they got their heads out of their backsides and looked and see what's going on around us. The thing is, there are over 10,000 people homeless. And again, you can see how someone could end up in your situation. If you're looking for a place, you can't find it. The rent is too high. A night will come whereby you have to move out of the house and suddenly you find yourself with nowhere else to go. We are aware of people, and we've been told this in the past, of workers who would park in city car parks, would commute from the county into yeah. the city car parks, and they know of two or three cars where someone sleeps in those cars overnight. Yeah, and it's quite true. common. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, the thing is, like, what do people do? I mean, look at all the people, for instance, in Cork City who are sleeping rough. Now, either the hostels are full or they can't access the uh, emergency accommodation and they can't afford it to get B&B or whatever. So it's a case of the individual suffers. 
So, where do you go now? You are in so-called emergency accommodation, which means you're relying on hotels and B&Bs. And as you've pointed out, if, if they're full, if your friends are not able to house you, you're sleeping in your car, where do you go from here? Because you can continue for your own health, your own mental health. You can continue on living like this. And you simply can't continue on waiting for the council as well or looking for the right landlord. So, so where do you go? It's like this. Tough look. Where the council is concerned, where the government is concerned, they don't care. Simple as that. And the thing is, like, if you have to sleep in your car, you have to sleep in your car. If you have to sleep rough, you have to sleep rough. They don't care. And that's the reality of what is happening for those who do find themselves in emergency accommodation. I spoke to that particular man yesterday, as I said, but not identifying him uh, for, uh, for the fact that he is going through that at the moment and, and living in that particular situation in his car, in hotels, in B&Bs and indeed on his friend's couches who were good enough to let him uh, sleep on their couch in their home. Uh, but it just outlines what is happening at the moment here in Cork for those who who find themselves for, for one reason or another renting a home that home either must be sold or the landlord just simply isn't going renewing the contract and isn't renting out the home anymore and then you cannot find accommodation in your price range and suddenly you feel well I'll, I'll do this for one night one night becomes two two becomes three and then the whole situation changes very very fast uh, on WhatsApp regarding uh, the issue of homelessness Michael says, I understand that housing and the homelessness is not good for this particular country, but look at our so-called rich neighbours, Britain. Are they in the top league of richest countries in the world? Yes, they are. And yet they have a homeless person dying every 19 hours, says Michael in Castletown Bear. And you're right, not just here in Ireland is it an issue, or just here in Cork, it's an issue worldwide unfortunately. And if you ever go, if you think it's bad here, and I haven't been to the centre of London for a long, long time. As Michael mentions, uh, the UK capital cities are always the worst. But if you ever go to New York, uh, you mightn't see it in some areas of Manhattan, but outer areas you will see homelessness at a different level and a different scale sometimes than what we have. And I know they're tackling that in their own right in America as well. But here we're growing to that that level. As some, I think at Christmas and in the winter people notice it more, but it is becoming a bigger problem for us again this year. And every year we think it's going to be solved, but it doesn't really. Anyhow, uh, thanks for your WhatsApp, Michael, to 86 2103103. We're looking at the crimes in the Cork area next on our Garda file. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103103. And time for this week's Garda file. I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly from Fermoy Garda Station. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, John Paul. And first of all, a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're going to start with a break-in. And unfortunately, a lot of reports of uh, break-ins and burglaries over the last uh, number of weeks in the Cork area. But first, this is in Formoy. Yeah, we have been relatively quiet now for, for a number of weeks. And I suppose last Thursday, we had one there. Um, now, it was a very alert neighbour spotted uh, a car. Now, this was one that we gave out last week uh, when I spoke to uh, there on the radio. Um, he spotted an Audi A3 parked in the driveway of his neighbour's house. He checked. There was, a man came, there was a man came out, crawled into the back seat of the car, and the car took off at speed. Now, afterwards, there was the mark of an implement mark discovered on one of the back windows. <clears throat> now, that RDA tree uh, dominated some of, the, <clears throat> some of the radio headlines afterwards that day because there was a high-speed chase in Cork City. Uh, the car was found abandoned, and there was a manhunt for three individuals, one of whom was, captu- was captured and has been charged and is before the courts at the moment. And that's one of the items that I believe that he's charged with. And that was the same gang that were in Formoy that morning? That's the same gang that was in Formoy that morning. Because there you has know? been a lot of break-ins in the, some of the city areas, maybe not, not the Cork North Division, but in some of the city suburb areas, there has been a, a lot of break-ins or just vandalism uh, to near home. So that gang would have travelled from Formoy so, uh, to the city yesterday, but yeah, one, and, one has caused. And, and the individual charges from the, is from the Dublin area. Mm. So again, follows, follows the pattern of, uh, of coming down the motorway. Uh, you know, and coming off and doing some jobs and getting back. Now, uh, you can see they leave pretty early in the morning because the job in Formoy was at ten past nine. So they were they were probably leaving Dublin at uh, six o'clock in the morning. Uh, you know, and maybe in some cases not getting back till till later that night. So at least uh, you know there was an awful lot of effort went in to, to capturing one of them. Um, they went through Boglands above there in, in in Cork City on the Bank City estuary. Um, one of them, one of them, was, one of them has been caught and he's charged before the court at the moment. But again, it shows the pattern. They're using high-powered cars. In this case, an Audi A3, uh, well capable, uh, you know, of um, getting away in a high-speed uh, in a high-speed chase, you know. Okay, so just to be vigilant, I suppose, with your home as you always warn. And you have two other break-ins here as well, John. Yep. Two, two other break-ins. Last Saturday night, the 14th, uh, it was discovered on the Monday, but it can be pinned down to an exact time. Uh, the Holy Family School there at Baker's Road, gardening equipment stolen from a shed. Now, when you consider how much effort has to go in by any school in raising money for the replacement of those, you know, there's a uh, very high likelihood, considering it happened, the time it happened, that, that the information for, for this lies within the charitable town area. Uh, you know, um, there was a strimmer taken, there was a mower taken, there was a hedge cutter taken, you know, from a shed at the premises, you know. Um, so uh, if anyone is offered for sale, uh, you know, anything like that in the, uh, you know, in the childhood area, you, you know, could they come back to the guards um, if they have any um, information as regards, you know. But when you consider that, um, you know, children from Charleville are going to that school, you know, parents have to go out and fundraise. 
you know, probably again for for the you know, for the repurchase of some of this equipment, you know. Yeah, and um, a lot of fundraising so, goes on for that school, so to think that they have got the money together and then some thug comes along and nicks that it's, it's just frustrating for, for the school itself and those involved. Yeah, so we'd appeal to anyone in the charitable area, you know, um, if they have any information, please, the Guardian Charitable would appreciate any information they, they may have. Um, third incident that I have, a court in lawyer in Bantia, um, it would occurred last Thursday, uh, probably between uh, or between Thursday and the Monday, right? But there was a then seen acting suspiciously in that area. Um, now there was a chainsaw and a consaw taken from a shed. You know, again, it follows the same pattern: tools. They are easily transportable. They worth a lot of money. They can be got rid of a car boot sales. So please uh, know before you buy. Um, if you're at a car boot sale, you know, you see something that's only a couple of months old, think to yourself, why is something only a couple of months old? You know, why is the legitimate owner after disposing of it so often, you know? Like, uh, as I think I've said about tools before, I know personally, and a lot of people I know are the same, you know, they're only going to get rid of a chainsaw, uh, literally, when they have to chuck it out in the bin, or, or a console or anything like this. It's just, you know, they've used it. It's, you know, it's gone past its sell-by date. It's just not capable of doing anymore. So if you see something new, just give it a little bit of thought. Of, you know, satisfy yourself that, you know, it's legitimate before you buy. Otherwise, you're only fueling the, you, you know, criminal criminal activity, really. Yeah, and know? the trade that they carry out, exactly. And you want to yeah. talk about and offer advice to illegal collections. Do you mean rubbish collections? No, I, no. I, you know, that, that's, that's also a thing. You know, the rubbish collections, it's a case of just beware. Uh, you know, the man with the white van yeah. to make sure that uh, a person has their waste permit, you know, because otherwise, as I say, that's something that people can be, uh, can be summoned for. No, the collection in this case is a collection of money being taken up outside post offices and other places by uh, people who have no permits, uh, who are only there, uh, the charities themselves. Um, in this case, a uh, person was intercepted this morning outside the old post office. They had been there for an hour. Um and uh, the, the guards were on patrol, they spotted them. Uh, the large uh, yellow sticker up in the bucket, please support the homeless. You could see it was, it was homemade. There was no reference to any legitimate charity. Uh, various stickers took on the top of the bucket to get, you know, and pictures to give it the effort of, uh, to make it appear legitimate. But in this particular case, uh, a relation of that person, uh, now who, are from the Midlands of the country, so they had travelled down to Yard, they're obviously travelling to other areas. Um, a relation of theirs was there on the 6th of September collecting. That's on the Friday. Now, the Friday is the day that people are collecting pensions, and people, you, you, you know, they think, oh, the homeless, it's a very topical thing, uh, thing at the moment, rightly so. But you have people going on the, uh, you know, on the coattails of the big emergency that is happening nationally at the moment, and collecting for themselves. You know, uh, so again, uh, the the Gary and y'all have to, have taken the contents uh, of, and you know, quite an, an amount have been collected, say within one hour. Now we do know they're operating in other areas as well. So please, just make sure when you're giving your hard-earned money to, you know, to somebody collecting with a book, just make sure it's a legitimate charity. You know, yeah. and you know. Um, because Friday, you mentioned Friday, the day where a lot of people from outlying areas would go into their nearest town, do their shopping, as you mentioned, the post office, collect items from the post Correct. office. And then if you see signs, because it is a very topical, we just spoke about it there on the show. If you see yeah. a sign for homelessness, and there's so many various homeless charities, people can't intake everything into their head and they see a picture, you will give. You know, yeah, and you're not going to stop I, I, and ask I, for permits. 
yeah, just but, but uh, like a lot of the logistics ones when, when they're there, you know, they have a they have a permit hanging mm. on their neck, you know, and you can ask legitimately. Now, one individual now that was there on the sixth of September, when there was a person asking, did he have a permit? Uh, you know, they turned around. He turned around. He followed up the street, taking photographs or to intimidate. You know, mm. so we're, we're talking about this is a well organized activity by some people. You know. Um, so for people to be uh, aware, you know, that they are giving the money to to a legitimate charity. And just know, check there is a permit on the actual sign. They will have the name of the actual charity. And under yeah, that, they always have it usually in small writing. Yes. And if you have concerns, contact your local guard station. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you don't want to go up and ask them themselves, you, you know, but if you feel you have concerns, you know, contact your local guard station and say, look, we feel there's an elect, uh, a collection going on at such a place, where, you know, and we have suspicions that it may not be legitimate. And would you mind checking? We have no problem doing that. OK, you know? very good. So that's a new one to watch out for uh, for those collections, wherever they are in your towns. Just be aware of that. For the moment, John, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, John Paul. That is John Kelly there, Sergeant John Kelly from Formoy Garda Station. I'm getting in pictures here uh, from people in various locations this afternoon by the seaside or just out in their back garden and the sun is shining and they're out doing some gardening and it's just beautiful so uh, thank you for all those who are sending in the uh, sunny uh, afternoon shots here to us you can check them out maybe we'll put a few of them up later on Facebook or Instagram with some beautiful scenes from where people are enjoying themselves and bringing the radio with them on this Thursday afternoon and it's going to be like that as well tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow all day uh, more sunshine and good sunny spells so the good weather is here with us for Cork for the next two days anyhow Saturday though may see a change and it would affect us here in Cork more than other areas of the country but good to know anyhow for the next two days we'll have the high temps and we will have that sunshine right across the city and county and that will be good for us because we are in McCroom tomorrow broadcasting live from the Castle Hotel in McCroom as part of the McCroom Food Festival so we'll have the sun with us tomorrow in McCroom as well and if you're in the area pop in and say hi to us live tomorrow uh, from the Castle Hotel in McCroom with the Cork Today Show for the McCroom Food Festival I'll tell you more about that in a while Keep your pet questions coming for Jane. She's along shortly. Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. Call Bernie with your pet questions, 1850-333-103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. But first, let's go back to your calls and comments. And this is to do with dog fouling and the, uh, the issue that people have with those who lead their dogs, wander on the streets or walk with their dogs and lead them foul on a particular street in a town or village or in a park and now the council want to be the first local authority, Cork County Council that is, to name and shame those who let their dogs dirt uh, in public areas. We had a number of comments in from people who had mixed views on this actually and some people uh, were naming the various areas whereby it is the worst area they feel and where they live affected by dog fouling. Uh, Tim, another one of those who says the Ballyhooly Road out of Rathcormac is a disgrace due to dog walkers. Cars then go slushing through this. Oh God, Tim, imagine that. So wherever the, the road is, I presume it's um, that, that particular road. Uh, there's not a footpad on that road and, and they're just walking on the side of the road. So because of that, then the cars are driving into the actual dog poo and making it worse. Uh, thank you, Tim, for your text. And Miriam McCroom says there are far too many people, Mary Fields in McCroom, who have dogs. She sees people walking two or three dogs together. She doesn't know where or how people have space to keep these particular animals. But she says schools should educate children on animal care. And speaking of schools, and we spoke about school fees earlier on and how some children in secondary schools are not getting access to some services in the school because the parents have not paid the voluntary contribution. We've heard from both sides 
on that from how schools do sit down with the parents and go through even an instalment method if they are not unable to pay it all in, in one go or in full at the start of the year they will let them pay some amount in September some amount in January and various schools are doing that we've heard back from schools in the Cork area and parents have suggested just sit down with the principal and explain your case to the principal and work it out that way so that your your son or daughter isn't affected in the school because if your son or daughter isn't allowed to have a school locker isn't allowed to go to a certain activity in the school well then you're going to have other students in the school going well, why isn't Jimmy allowed to do this or, or do that? So it does have an impact on the child as well. But Mary in North Cork wants to know what is the average voluntary contribution that schools ask for? Her son will be starting secondary school next year and she's just inquiring how much is she likely to pay as part of a voluntary contribution? They do vary from school to school. So on average uh, out there, what is the voluntary contribution? I mean, how much do you pay for your son or daughter in the particular secondary school they go to? Let me know and we let Mary know. You can text on WhatsApp 86 Call Bernie 1850 What is the average voluntary contribution now? that secondary schools are asking for in the Cork area. We mentioned the ploughing earlier and how people really enjoy the ploughing this year because the weather made it and the huge crowds that they're having at the ploughing championships in County Carlow. But one texter was concerned at the sheep that they were inside in a kind of a tense situation and because of the heat they they looked distressed uh, yesterday at the ploughing championships. Well Rita says I agree with that particular texter. The sheep were in what could be best described as a garden polytunnel no fresh air at all says Risha and completely unsuitable and she agrees uh, with her lax texter regarding uh, the treatment of the sheep at the uh, ploughing championships uh, Risha thank you for your text not sure if others noticed that or not if you were at the ploughing and the HAP scheme we spoke about there and the problems with HAP and the delay in the HAP payment for those who have a landlord who is willing to accept the HAP scheme but then it seems there is a bit of a delay with the HAP scheme in payment towards the landlord's bush outside of that a texter is saying yes HAP is a big problem but it's not just for the delay in payments to landlords but also this texter feels landlords are afraid because of council inspections the council will inspect the home you're in on the HAP scheme and then because of that not all landlords want the council inspecting their home and on the farmers and we we, we checked around and it seems even though the individual farmers have called on farmers to leave the picket lines outside factories farmers still remain outside the factory gates here in the Cork factories anyhow in Charnival in Watergrass Hill and in Bandon for the moment other areas of the country in Slane we've heard they've left the picket line we were told that in County Waterford they had left the picket line but seemingly they haven't we had mixed responses on if they were there some people telling us they were gone but seemingly um, what we're getting in on WhatsApp farmers still remain there in Waterford and indeed in care in Tipperary and as well in the Cork plants so while the individual farmer groups say they want to move to the next process and are asking farmers to leave the picket lines some have up the country still here in Cork anyhow and in Munster it seems farmers are remaining at the factory gates and will remain on picket uh, for how long I don't know but they will remain anyhow and uh, Mick in Bantir texting earlier 
And Mick basically was saying and was asking who were the farmers cutting. He was on about the farmers getting the huge single farm payment. Well, a farmer has text back in to Mick in Bantier and is explaining uh, the actual farm payment. He says 25% of farmers are getting 75% of the EU payments. For the 25% of us left, the beef farmers, the EU payment is covering the farm bills, i.e., contractors, accountants, insurance, vets, co-ops, etc. We are the silent employer for years, working seven days a week, who now are asking for a fair payment for our produce. So uh, that farmer putting it to Mick and Bantier, who was texting in about the single farm payment, explaining it the best way they can. Thank you for your text to 86 Or indeed, uh, you can call Bernie 1850 And on the issue of dog falling, Audrey says Dylan's Cross... Uh, Dylan's Cross and the city north side very bad for dog falling we're hearing different streets whereby dog falling is worse in some areas than others but Audrey's saying Dylan's Cross area of the city also bad when it comes to dog falling uh, so it is an issue right across as we know from the city and county and interesting to see if the uh, legal side of things and data protection side of things come together and the council do name and shame people who do go to court and are prosecuted for letting their dogs uh, basically dirt on the street will it have an impact well we'll have to wait and see our lines are open 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103103 those numbers also uh, for your pet questions for Jane Pickett of the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket Jane will join us within the next 20 minutes The C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie Social dancing will be held at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow that's going ahead tonight a country DJ from 8.30 with the Dermot and Eileen Ring taken to the stage there at 9.30 until midnight. Newmarket Faroga Youth Club they will reopen tonight from 7.30 to 9 in the CYMS Hall in Newmarket. Cline Literacy and Historical Society will host Jim Wilson and Liam O'Reardon. That's going ahead tonight at 8.15 at the My Place Mill Road in Middleton and this is giving an illustrated talk on the life and achievements of Edward Bransfield. And the You Are Not Alone group who support those bereaved and affected by suicide will hold their annual Concert of Hope in the City Hall this evening at 7.30. Blarney Photography Club, they will hold an open night and that's going ahead at 7.30 in Skulviragon Small in Blarney. And the Cork Yarn Spinners, they're meeting tonight at 8 o'clock in the Crawford & Co on Anglesey Street. They have a special guest and storyteller tonight will be Dick Beamish. Dick won the Flag Hule All-Ireland Storytelling this year. And the Cork Volunteer Centre, they will have a pop-up centre in Mallow Library tomorrow. So if you are interested in a volunteering role, you can drop into them and chat with one of their placement officers who will be in the Mallow Library tomorrow from the Cork Volunteer Centre. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. I'm just catching up on emails and items we didn't get to on the show this week. It's been a very busy week on the show, so we thank you for your calls and emails, but we didn't get to everybody's emails. So just to go through a few items that we did not catch or get to during the week. And first, I meant to give this a mention, and a lot of people right across Cork will be uh, surprised by this because I'm sure everybody knows DC's restaurant in Ring there at Clonakilty better known as DC's of Ring um, they've been going for over 16 years or more and the earlier this week they put a message on their Facebook page to say this will be their last summer in DC's and they are closing up on New Year's Eve so they will be operating for the next few months but 
Uh, they'll be calling it a day on New Year's Eve, uh, which is a pity because anybody who knows that particular restaurant, some fabulous food there, a fabulous area, fabulous views over Clonakilty Bay from Ring. Uh, so many restaurants we know are closing for various reasons. Uh, over the last number of years I know there was a lot of roadworks on the Ring Road for the last while that might have had some impact but overall sad to see uh, DCs of Ring who will close on New Year's Eve but our best of luck to all the staff that worked there over the years and indeed uh, to the owners there as well who provided some amazing entertainment and some amazing food uh, over the years not only in the West Cork area or Clonacilty area but right across Cork because I saw comments from all over the place uh, when that news uh, they put up in their Facebook earlier in uh, earlier this week but yeah I'm sure a lot of people will miss uh, DC's of Ring and uh, well, they'll be busy I'm sure over the next while because people will want to make one last stop before they close on New Year's Eve and you might have heard there Barry on the news uh, about Fermoy Weir and now it seems work on repairing Fermoy Weir will take place in 2021 there was protests held though uh, over the weekend to highlight this work and to highlight the what they want the, the fast tracking of this particular work on the Weir in Fermoy so many items and so many events have been cancelled over the last year in Fermoy such as the Regatta the Blackwater Swim and more uh, and they're all cancelled due to the partial collapse of the Weir in Fermoy uh, on Saturday there was a protest uh, whereby people walked over the bridge and there was a band playing music and that was I think was just a highlight with the music going and people playing instruments it was just a highlight uh, to the motorists passing and to those in the town what needs to be done to keep this particular matter on the agenda and on the news to get the Weir in Fermoy restored. It seems now uh, a repair work will take place in 2021. Uh, that's the latest we have on that. And then something else uh, that I've spotted and uh, I've got a few texts in on this from various GA clubs but I spotted this one over the last week or so on Bandon GA's Facebook page but other GA clubs have been in contact with us over the last few months about this and this is where maybe after a match or in the evening when everybody's gone away from the GA grounds it might be 11 o'clock at night or in the early hours of the morning uh, there's and this situation is, is from Bandon but again it's happened in other GA clubs whereby somebody came along with a box of beer decided to drink the beer in one of the what I can call you know the dug on the sidelines there whereby the manager and the uh, subs will be sitting waiting to be called on or just watching the game while it's in process well somebody seemingly uh, came along with a box of beer sat down in one of those dugout areas on the sidelines I presume more than one person they had their beer uh, left the bottles behind and left the box of beer behind as well it wasn't full though it was empty but the boxes and the rubbish was left behind uh, Bannon GA this, did post this earlier in the week on their Facebook page basically to say that this just shows no respect for their grounds and also it's unsightly because the regular uh, children, coaches and parents that will meet there on a Sunday morning and indeed a Monday morning have to come in and face this and you don't want young children turning up to training for a GA ground or just turning up for a GA match in a particular pitch and seeing this bottles left thrown at the side of the, of, of the sideline glass bottles thrown there which is even worse if they were broken and indeed then you'd have rubbish of cardboard boxes of beer uh, and it's not the first time we've heard this in GEA pitches it's it's uh, highlighting now from Bandon but it's happened in other areas as well uh, so just something to watch out for and something to deter people if whoever is doing that in the Bandon area to just basically don't do it uh, why anyhow would you go in of all places 
uh, go into a dugout in a, on the sideline of a pitch with a big box of beer and then drink it leave the bottles there and leave the boxes and the rubbish behind anyhow that's what happened in Bandon hopefully it won't happen again and it's up then of course to those volunteers in the GA club to go off uh, pick up the boxes pick up the bottles uh, dump them and they don't have to go to the recycling centre with all of that so it's putting more pressure on the volunteers in the GA club and indeed those who attend uh, training and games but yeah I know it isn't the first time we've heard that hopefully it will be the last but you know n- n- how do you deter people from doing that uh, anyhow thanks for um, calls we've got on that in other places and I did spot that as well uh, from Bandon GA's Facebook page earlier this week 1850 lines open how best do you deal with that particular situation even when there are gates going into GA grounds and they are closed off people can still access jumping over walls and ditches and that type of thing and can I mention an email that came in earlier in the week from the cardiac support group of North Cork uh, they're holding a present entitled Gut Health and that's going ahead next Monday in the Mallow Daycare Centre at 8 o'clock. The topic is being delivered by Maria Collins who's a nutritional therapist and the interest of this will be to everybody I'm sure in the area but if you want to go along please do so. She'll also answer a lot of questions on the night so if you have any questions for her she'll answer those on the night. Gut Health being discussed at Mallow Daycare Centre 8 o'clock next Monday from the Cardiac Support Group of North Cork and Jim on text saying Hi JP, did you hear about the rats in Linster House? Now, before I say anything else, I can imagine what people are, are saying when you mention rats and Linster House. But this is a situation whereby Linster House authorities, they were warned about rodents that were in the Doll Bar. But seemingly, these particular rats were taking chocolate bars six weeks before a rat was spotted in the doll bar that was forcing remember the doll bar was closed there a few weeks ago back that what happened was the rats were there a long long time before uh, they were spotted and they were taking the chocolate bars that were placed in the lower shelf the rat was actually coming in taking the bar and going off and eating the chocolate bar but the bar was shut for more than a week after a plump rat was spotted by the phenophile leader Michal Martin now it, this particular rat evaded capture for a number of days and you will remember it became known as Ratgate. Anyhow, it seems now the uh, situation has been dealt with but works will be underway uh, to deal with the particular building so that it won't happen again and that rats, whatever about mice, but rats coming in uh, to the uh, dial um, and running around the bar and eating what they're eating. Anyhow, uh, no one likes to see a rat I'm sure in front of you but there we are, that's what's happening uh, in our houses of parliament in Doyle Aaron in Dublin. Uh, Keep your pet questions coming by the way for Jane Pickett who will join us shortly on the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket called Burnley 1850 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and this Friday by the way tomorrow the Cork Today Show we are broadcasting live from the Castle Hotel in McCroom for the McCroom Food Festival we're going to be live with the show as usual from 10am until 1 we'll be broadcasting from the Castle Hotel and discussing local issues in the McCroom and Lee Valley area also we're going to hear from the much spoken about asylum seekers who have moved into the Riverside Park Hotel I'm McCroom. A lot of reaction about this worldwide. Uh, when I mean worldwide, I mean on Twitter because Katie Hopkins was tweeting initially about this. She's tweeted again uh, in the last week about what's happening uh, with the asylum seekers coming to Uchtarard and indeed to McCroom. Uh, but outside of that, because there is so much talk, uh, people initially had issues in McCroom because no one knew this was happening. That was the initial uh, fear from locals in McCroom when they didn't know 
what was going on with the particular hotel. Uh, but over the last while, the those who have moved to the Riverside Park Hotel, they are getting involved with the community. Apart from attending local schools, they're getting involved in tidy towns groups and now also local, sport, local sporting organisations. So whatever concern there was it doesn't seem to be anymore now I'm sure not everybody is happy but we'll hear more about that tomorrow because we'll be speaking with the friends of the asylum seekers from McCroom and speaking to one of those asylum seekers as well to see how they are settling down in the community of McCroom and of course we are there for the McCroom Food Festival so we're going to taste the produce of local food and drink producers from the Lee Valley and the McCroom area we're also going to hear about new businesses that have located and set up in McCroom and why indeed they have chosen the McCroom region to set up their particular business with so many businesses who tell us they are struggling, they're finding it tough at the moment when it comes to startups, when it comes to insurance. Why are businesses setting up in McCroom? Well, we'll hear and speak to new business owners and with the McCroom Food Festival, there is a busking competition. And we'll hear from some of those who are taking part in that particular competition, plus live music and more. Uh, That's all tomorrow, live from the Castle Hotel McCroom with this particular show uh, for the McCroom Food Festival. If you're in the area, uh, join myself and the C103 Street Fleet who will be with us tomorrow while we broadcast the show from 10 o'clock until 1 from the Castle Hotel in McCroom. So your pet questions are welcome for Jane. You can get them into us right now. You can call Bernie 1850 333103 or indeed text or WhatsApp 0862103. 103. Laura Gelga, RC103. Anne Frank, Macaulay Og Judahi, Anne Frank, a four Boston Holocaust. Rugg Anne Frank, Erin Darla, Dig, Dim Viv Mehiv, Nadeg, Fehane, a Frankfurt Sigarmon. Akvoga Tailukidi, Ulnok, Devorganora, Hula Viega Aher. Lilin and Darkoga Downda, Jurok Lenin Winter, Dolivlock, and Nestapo. Norvishi Devlock, Madshi Dilan, Lenatahi, Ogsenis Munti. Scrivshi and Quidismo Dayilan, Ivermlich Ked, the Gwina Dervanum Kitty. Scrivage for Dilan Freshen, Ak near Honigshi Driver. Rodamon Scrivshi, in a Dilan, no, when I write, I can shake off all my cares, but will I ever write something great? Vishi Divlock, if I go of Lean. Teresian Koga, Honig Aher and Air on Dilan, August Viuna Air, Nur Konig Shay, Keiko Abi Isavishi, Teresia Lab, Dantik Shay, but she gave me diary of a young girl. The law taught new out, Tadilan and Franker, Candice and Cafe, she is Kalula on Holocaust. The Bluer Guelga, Girl Cluster Davish, Davis College, Ismisha Abi Bernach. CKD as a three Kirkig. And when I mentioned about the rats in the doll bar, I was expecting this uh, a number of texts asking, was it a two-legged or a four-legged rat? Yeah, I, I did mention I was expecting those texts to come in. Anyhow, <laughs> thank you for those. And Mick is back from Bantier. This is to do with the farmers. He is saying farmers are getting uh, plenty of money from the single farm payments. Uh, farmers have come back and explained how that particular payment work. And Mick is back again saying, well, JP, the farmers must have very expensive accountants. Payments range from €10,000 to 100,000 euros and some are getting more says Mick from Bantier and on the issue of legal rubbish dumping and those illegal collectors those who go around and say they're collecting rubbish but actually well they are collecting rubbish but they're not doing it legally they're dumping it elsewhere then and Michael in Fermoy says he has seen people in a white van collecting household rubbish in the Fermoy area but then they are dumping it illegally now he has informed the council but as yet he says nothing has been done to stop them but they are operating in the Fermoy area 
Uh, so just basically be careful. I mean, if you are, if someone's knocking on your door and they're offering you to dump your rubbish at a low cost, low cost, and they're not saying where exactly they are dealing or dumping the rubbish and there's no name in the van and it's a white van, well, you know, ask them questions. But also I would maybe get rid of them as well because we don't know who these people are. So whereas Michael is saying nothing has been done, uh, just be careful if, if this particular gang are still operating in the Fermoy area, collecting household rubbish and as Michael says, then dumping it illegally. And regarding the ploughing championships, Louise and Balanahastic went to the ploughing for the first day. It was a very warm day, she said. She did notice the cattle were in very good condition and had plenty of water, but the sheep were very hot and had very little water. They were in a polytunnel. Some of them had water running from their eyes and the people looking after them didn't seem to be doing much, uh, says uh, Louise in Balanahastic. So a lot of people are concerned about the sheep in that particular whatever it probably wasn't a polytunnel but type a polytunnel type of tent they were in anyhow a lot of people are were worried and concerned about the way the sheep were looked after other than that people seem to have a great time at the ploughing but we seem to be getting a lot of calls about the way the sheep were left uh, at the ploughing championships in Carlo anyhow were you there let us know 1850 uh, Jane Pickett is here from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group and your questions are welcome for Jane 1850 or text or WhatsApp 0862103103 good afternoon to you Jane hi there and we were just discussing there uh, before we came on air and it is probably a timely reminder to people because we get the calls in as I'm sure you do in the, mm. in the practice mm-hmm. and the calls come at Halloween or a few days before it where it's too late to do anything mm-hmm. uh, fireworks bangers all of those will be going off no matter what people do what we say it will happen mm-hmm. and now is time to prepare for that for your animals even though you might say we're a month away from Halloween what are you on about this is the time to exactly. look at the situation absolutely it's at this time we might all think it's a little bit premature but as you say like there's a lot of loud strange noises particularly around Halloween and even later into kind of Christmas New Year the bangers the fireworks and sometimes it's best to start preparing ahead really and now is still a time where we can do something constructive to help our let's say dogs and cats um, and other small animals to be a little bit less fearful around this time we get an awful lot of calls in the weeks around Halloween the weeks around the kind of Christmas New Year period the big hot spots for the loud noises of people being fierce worried about what they can do for their pets to make them feel more comfortable in that environment and there are certain measures we can take to try and calm them down when, when that situation is happening and they're very worried and fearful but there's a lot we can do in advance of that to try and prepare them and just make them a little bit less fearful so at this point in time I think the best thing to do is to get them used to some loud noises so there are actually rather interestingly you can download little audio files or get CDs of let's say bang noises fireworks and play those on a regular basis now you have to do it regularly and well in advance of the event um, and reasonably loud <laughs> um, for it to take effect but eventually your dog will just or our cat will begin to accept those noises as let's say part of a normal household which we all know they aren't but that will prepare them to be a little bit calmer at the, at the time in question now What I would say is that it can take a little bit of time to take effect and some animals will become a lot more at home with it than others. I suppose if you think about it, it's like funny noises in the household, like some pets might be afraid of the hoover, but if they hear hoovering every week for the rest of their lives, they're going to get used to it and they're going to accept it as a normal thing and they won't be fearful anymore. So that's exactly what we're trying to do with the noise desensitisation. So have a little chat to your vet. They might be able to recommend good places to get those CDs or the little audio clips and play those. So that's a really helpful thing to do. Other things to do at this point in time are to maybe create um, 
I suppose deep within your house in the quietest part of the house maybe a little kind of nest area for your dog or cat now so they can get used to maybe going and spending some time in there so that when the loud bangs and you know bangers happen around the Halloween period they have somewhere a little bit quieter a little quietness for them to go and relax in that's quite familiar to them it's not something new that you've just set up the day before Halloween other than that I think it's a a process of if your dog or cat is fierce fearful altogether and if those things don't work they don't become very at home with the sounds of the fireworks and the bangers and they're still very fearful have a chat to your vet there's a number of things we can do to help them there are some supplements some calming supplements which for some pets anecdotally seem to have a really good effect really chill them out a little bit more um, make them a little bit less fearful and in some very extreme situations if you do have a very fearful pet and almost to the point where it's a danger from itself it might try and escape from wherever it is sometimes our vet might be able to help out with let's say a little bit of a relaxing calming medication for the time in question so I think now is the time to act um, get in there try and do a little bit of preparation before all the festivities kick off over the next few months um, and try and keep everyone safe Okay good advice there and as you say yeah make sure the pets are inside it that doesn't work mm. and don't have them out wandering when you know oh, it's no. going to happen and, and that's exactly. what we hear a lot of it's too late then to be yeah. worrying about where they are when it's 9 o'clock in the evening and the bangers exactly. have gone off Anyhow let's get straight into questions 1850 First one is from a person on text who has a sheepdog pup it's about 6 to 7 months old but she's bleeding from her bottom she wants to know could she be pregnant? Hmm it's possible. If she's six or seven months old, I would be surprised if she was pregnant just yet. But some dogs are kind of mature at that point that they could become pregnant. But let's say if she's bleeding from the bottom end, from the, the vulva as such, um, from the lady parts as it were, then it may just be that she's going into season. So her first season, which is kind of the equivalent of a, a human period, essentially. Um, I would say that if she's otherwise well and herself, happy eating and drinking, I would still pop her along to your vet if you're concerned. They'll be able to give her a good check over, check the discharge at the back end and put your mind at rest. Okay, Anne has a female Labrador. She seems to be incontinent. She is fine some days and more days she is not. She doesn't have an infection. I had her with the vet. Is there anything uh, that I can do? Asks Anne. Mm. This can be quite a complex thing, particularly with peeing or inappropriate peeing like this, uh, kind of an apparent incontinence. It can be quite a tricky thing because I suppose infections are very common and that can lead to an increased sense of urgency it's kind of like ourselves if we had a bladder infection we'd want to go and pee a little bit more often and our bladder would be a bit more sensitive so I think ruling that out is a really important first step with your vet with females there can be other problems particularly as they get a little bit older has our has our caller told us how old this little dog is by any chance hasn't said how old no that's okay so as we get a little bit older sometimes we can have problems with our continents essentially so in older females particularly as the hormones change as they reach their latter years as it were sometimes that can begin to affect the bladder and how well they're able to hold their pee so there are lots of things we can do for that um, and we can give them medication to make that work a little bit better give them a little bit more kind of independence with their bladder I think it's important to realize other things though particularly in our older patients just to make sure they are actually able to move and squat and go and pee as they would so sometimes it can be funny things like a bit of a pain in the back end or in the joints and making sure that they're comfortable in that way I think there's a lot of different avenues um I think talk closely to your vet they'll make a little plan to figure out and rule out more of the common conditions and I'm sure you'll get to the bottom of it but I think revisit your vet is in order
Okay, and Connor wants to know how can I tell if my dog has joint problems? How can I make them more comfortable? It seems to be slow sitting down or just throwing myself in the ground. Anything that I can do? It's a Labrador who's 11 years old. 11 years old. So joint problems and arthritis in particular are incredibly common problems, particularly in our older patients and even more in the last few years as our patients are, let's say, gaining a little bit more weight than they should. That's having a knock-on effect in their joints. So we do see these joint problems that are in our increasing in our older patients. Now, I think our callers kind of hit the nail on the head. Being a little bit tense when we're sitting down or standing up is one of the main things I would say. It's kind of like ourselves. It's the equivalent of a human having a little bit of, you know, creaky joints when they're standing up or sitting down or getting in and out of bed. So I think movement when we're standing up, sitting down or even movements, let's say, things that they used to do before like if they used to run up and down the stairs or used to jump off on and off the sofa and now they're maybe a little bit more slow gingerly doing it or even not doing it at all any change from normal behavior is an indication that maybe there is a little bit of pain there now sometimes it can be muscles tendons joints lots of other things going on but a lot of the time in our older patients it's joints so i think visit your vet there's lots of things we can do to make them more comfortable there are joint supplements you can give sometimes like or like ourselves the glucosamine and the chondritin are always a good thing in our older patients but a lot of the time they might need a little bit of a helping hand with pain relief long term Okay Joan is a situation whereby her dog has killed a rat now she's more worried about the fact that if the rat had diseases could Mm. he have passed the diseases on to the dog and is there anything she should do in this case for her dog uh, injections or anything like that at Mm. this stage this is a little bit of a difficult one. We do see these dogs that are very good ratters, as it were. So it's, it's 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 historically kind of the smaller terrier breeds that would be at this kind of thing. Um, it is always worrisome because I suppose with wildlife, there's no knowing exactly what they might be carrying or have been in contact with. Now, as for rats specifically, there will be nothing major. I would be concerned about in the normal run of things I suppose if we have eaten the rat whole there's always the possibility that let's say a little bit of the skeleton might cause a blockage or anything like that so make sure your dog is let's say not vomiting a lot and that his peas and poos are all quite normal and that he's eating drinking happy and bright um, if you notice that there's any change in the eating habits or any vomiting it's best to visit your vet just in case eating a rat whole has caused a little bit of a blockage in, in, in the gut now the other things that you can get are I suppose Rats and mice, they're always in waterways and leptospirosis is one thing we're always concerned about, particularly with wildlife. Particularly in, I suppose, in our area around Mm. here in Cork, we see a lot of lepto from time to time. It seems to come in runs and I suppose that's something you can get even not after ingesting a rat or a mouse, just being in contact with, let's say, infected waterways or anything like that. But I suppose if we have eaten a rat directly, that might be a bit more of a risk. I would make sure your dog's vaccinations are up to date. Um, So visit your vet, double check that they're up to date. If they're not, it's best to get them restarted um i think for anybody out there it's a good idea to make sure your dog and cat's vaccinations are up to date purely because there's a load of infectious diseases out there that are 100 percent preventable um and a lot of the time it's it's one of the most heartbreaking things when you get pets coming in that are very seriously ill sometimes enough that they won't pull through it and if it's from a, a disease that we could have so easily vaccinated for that's the most heartbreaking thing for us and for the owners as well. So I think I would advise as a precautionary measure, double check you're up to date with all of your normal vaccinations and just keep a close eye. Okay, and back to Anne, our earlier texter about her female lab that she seems to think is incontinent Mm -hmm. and she's fine some days, but not other days. We were looking for the age. The age of that particular female Labrador is two and a half years, so quite young. 
Yeah, quite young indeed. So that that that's a little bit more unusual. So I suppose, yeah, our main things really would be ruling out that there is no infection in the bladder, um, that there's no abnormality within the bladder um, and peeing system, so the urethra. Um, your vet will be able to kind of guide you as to any investigations that might need to be done for that. But I think sometimes it's just important to double check that there's nothing wrong internally as well. So your vet, as, as he or she feels appropriate, might suggest that some bloods are done just to double check the kidney function and make sure everything's ticking over nicely there. But I'm, I'm sure you'll get to the bottom of it. Okay, and um, we were speaking about the loud noises there. Philip mm-hmm. was just saying, be careful if you were planning on this. Maybe ask your neighbour before you start playing the loud noises <laughs> before you create more drama. That's a good point. Sounds Thank like you. a good plan. Especially <laughs> if you're living in an urban area. Thanks for that, Philip, on text. And a question just in from Helen in the city who has a 15-month-old border collie. She has her for the last six weeks. She is very nervous of loud noises, especially men, uh, busy places and other dogs. Is there any remedy or any homeopathic remedy that I can do for her or give her something as well says Helen Mm. as regards let's say a homeopathic remedy it's not something I would recommend so let's say lots of the homeopathic remedies that might be used in humans we don't know if they work in dogs and cats but we also don't know if they're safe in dogs and cats so to be totally honest it's not something I would advise an owner to be tricking about with I think really it's going to take time and patience and it sounds like you have that in bundles I think just familiarising them with things. So I think taking them out gently as they feel confident and more comfortable with you into, let's say, new situations, but in a controlled environment. So I would normally suggest short bursts of this activity, five, ten minutes, and then back into something that we're very comfortable with. So if you think about it, dogs and cats, they, they have a short attention span. It's like ourselves. If we're in a stressful situation, we can digest more and learn more if it's a short little spate of it rather than half an hour or an hour being around loads of dogs rather than just five minutes. I think slow and steady will win the race here with loud noises and things and certainly being around other dogs and other stressful situations for your dog that they might not have been familiar with before they've come to you. Your attitude to it's actually really important because that rubs off on the dog. I think you being calm, almost pretending that nothing unusual is going on, being very relaxed, reassuring, plays a massive part. So I think your attitude is really, really key here. So do your best to convey the the calm vibes to your dog. Okay, Jane, thank you for that. Back again with us next week. Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group.
nothing gonna save us now. Nothing, nothing, nothing gonna save us now. With this broken silence, by thunder crashing in the dark, crashing in the dark. And this broken record, spinning less circles in the bar, spin round in the bar. This world can hurt you, it cuts you deep and leaves a scar. Things fall apart. Body service, Mark Watson at C103. My thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced and we will talk to you tomorrow morning from 10 o'clock live from the Castle Hotel in McCroom for the McCroom Food Festival. We will be sampling all the best food and local drink producers from the McCroom and Lee Valley area plus the usual show as well all from 10 o'clock tomorrow morning live from McCroom. So enjoy your sunny Thursday afternoon. I'm John Paul McNamara.